This is Warner Lewis, and welcome to another edition of Lewis at Large, smart talk and conversation with talented people from all walks of life. A reminder to subscribe to these Lewis at Large podcasts, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you like the podcast, hey, let others know about it. For context, my interview with Hank Garrett was recorded in February of 2021. So fun to have with us uh, a, a guy that is just phenomenal uh, for me growing up personally, uh, and I know you will recognize him as well, Mr. Hank Garrett. Uh, you have seen him in numerous uh, works. You have seen him in the movie Three Days of the Condor. You saw him in Car 54. You have seen him in episodes of Columbo, uh, and on and on and on. We'll be talking about his life Uh in film and uh, on the small screen, small screen as well. We'll also talk about quite a journey he has had, a brand new work that he has penned called From Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavy. Uh, Hank, my gosh, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. You know, you. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know, know where we exactly we begin. I suppose we could begin. Uh, what hospital were you born in? But let's do this. Let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's let's set you up. Let's set you up again. You, you've had such a, a varied career and done so many different things. Let's start. Let's start right here. Tell us a little bit uh, about those early days uh, in Harlem and what led you towards the entertainment business in general. Because I know your entertainment experience is vast. Uh, yes, I, uh, I was uh, born quite late to my parents. My parents were immigrants, uh, and uh, living in New York, we, I was raised in a slum, uh, Harlem, and a fifth-floor walk-up. Uh, and uh, all I ever remember about this, that, that uh, part of my life was... <sighs> putting on the kitchen light in the morning or in the evening and the walls were covered with roaches, cockroaches. And so I, they crawled all over. They were in the food. And and I remember one, one evening, uh, I was still quite young. I felt a, I was lying in bed and felt this chest pain, well, pressure on my chest. I put the light on. It was a big rat sitting on my chest. Wow. Uh, And that was kind of the norm for where we lived. My mother and father were fruit and vegetable peddlers. Yeah. And they sold the stuff on the push cart. And I remember... Uh, I, I guess my I was, my mom was in the mid to late forties when I was born. My dad was in his mid to late fifties. My father was uh, an immigrant, uh, never became a citizen, and because he was always concerned that the the, the military well I don't know the military but because he was in the military in Russia and. When he came to this country, he was here illegally. He met my mom, who was a widow. She had two boys. And he took up with my mom. They lived together. And he assumed my mother's last name. Because at one point, I I saw my birth certificate, and I had four last names on my birth certificate. And I said to my mom, 
uh, excuse me, but the, which one of these four guys is my father? <laughs> so that, <laughs> that didn't sit too well. But I remember as a little boy, I was about five or six years old, uh, standing next to my mom at the push cart. And a woman said to her, is, is that your little boy? And she said, oh, no, 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 that, that's my grandson. And I said, wow. my mom, my mom's my grandma? Uh, I guess she was embarrassed to be mm. having a child that that young at her age. Hank, did you did you have older siblings that you were aware of? Two half two half brothers that were in the military when I was born. Wow! And so another time, my there was a, a census taker at the door. My father was being interviewed, and they asked my father uh, how many in the family, and she said three. A woman and her three kids. And then the guy said, and who are you? He said, I'm an uncle visiting. I heard that and I said, God, no one will admit to my, my, my being. He's, you know, my father is my uncle. My mom is my, my grandmother. Who the heck am I? Yeah. Uh-huh. And that started me on the street. I lived on the street. I, I slept in cardboard boxes, and I became a fighter. I fought everybody and everything. Took a lot of beatings, but I was a tough, and I at one point uh, referred to as a hoodlum. Hank was. Uh, I'm just curious because of the confusion and and the identity issues and and just the entire situation at that time. And again, it's hard if you're young, you're a teenager, an adolescent, and you take to fighting to sort of maybe prove and maybe define who you are. Is that kind of what that was? Or was that sort of the only option really you ha- you felt you had? Uh, yeah, that pretty much was the only option. Uh, if you were on, you weren't a member of a gang. Uh, you were a victim. Uh, at that early age, I started seeing death, guys being shot, guys being stabbed. And uh, after a while, it was, okay, yeah, uh-huh, I'll miss him, yeah, but yeah. In fact, I remember at one time coming home from school with a bunch of other kids, and one of my friends tripped and fell, so we thought. And we laughed at him being so clumsy, and when we bent over, we saw blood pouring out of his head. He had been shot. Oh, boy. Someone on a roof with a rifle just fired into the crowd. It could have been me. Yeah. You know... Uh, Well, what you're describing uh, is a scene that that so many people have no sense of that, cannot relate with that, and yet others can. And this is only uh, in the interest of time, because I think we could probably talk easily for 30 minutes about your childhood. But would you frame for us a little bit, and again, uh, real quickly here, uh, you're listening to Lewis at Large. We're talking to a great one here, Hank Garrett. You've seen his work uh, as Officer Ed Nicholson in Car 54, Where Are You? Some saw him as the heavy, uh, as the mailman, so to speak, in that famous fight scene in three days of the condor but so much more what tell us about and there were a, a couple of moments i know in your life that were important to you defining moments so to speak what took you from street fighter rough guy distrusting angry young man 
and turned that to you or at least pointed you in a slightly different direction. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, a guy who was a, my, my mom's customer from fruits and vegetables, she was crying to him. I, I was always in trouble. And he came to me on the street corner, and he was the mayor of Harlem. And he walked up to me, and he said, uh, hey, I want to talk to you. And the first thing he did was slap a cigarette out of my mouth. I was 12. I'm standing on a street corner with some other fellow hoodlums right. smoking. And when he slapped me, I was going to throw a punch at him. Yeah. And two bodyguards came toward me, monsters. And he said, I'm, your mom gave me permission to take you out. Now, you tell somebody in New York, I'm taking you out. means I'm going to kill you. So I thought, my mom put a hit on me. Yeah. So he took me. He said, you got a suit? I said, yeah, I got a suit. He says, yeah, wear a suit tonight because we're going out. He said, before you do, man, take a bath. I put on my suit, hated him from the moment. And he took me to the Apollo Theater. Wow. Sammy to me, Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. We went into Sam's dressing room, and he said to Sam, uh, this is the kid I was telling you about. And he said, hey, come on, man, sit down. I did. He said, you're a tough guy, huh? I said, yeah, I'm tough. He said, you know, tough guys wind up with a lot of broken bones and scars. He says, you're beyond that. You're either going to go to prison or you're going to die. I was 12 years old, and I had a gun in my pocket, a 25 caliber pistol. And suddenly, as he was speaking to me, the weight of that gun got heavier and heavier and heavier. He got me a job with an all-black orchestra, Lucky Millinder. He said, you're going to be a band boy. I said, what What does band boy he said, you know, you put music out for the other musicians, and at the end of the gig, you collect everything back and put it back in its, in its case. I, I did, and Lucky Millinder, that evening, uh, the gig was over. And he said, you did a good job, my man. He said, but uh, here, here you go. And he gave me 50 bucks. Holy smokes. That's a million dollars yeah. back then. I, I, exactly. And I said, Oh, he said, get yourself some new kicks, shoes. My shoes were torn to shreds. In fact, my left shoe was being held together by a big rubber band to keep the, from the, the, the sole from falling off. Well, I was doing that. I did the gig. Uh, and then Sam called me again. And he said, I got you a gig in the Catskills. I said, what? He said, you're going to work at one of the hotels. He said, I just want you to pay attention to all the comedians that work there because you're funny. He said, you have said some funny things to me. And I thought, maybe that would help. And sure enough, I watched all the red red buttons and, and buddy hackets. And, and I learned, I learned, I learned. Well, 20-some-odd years later, I was Tony Bennett's opening act for four years. Wow. And opening night at the Sands 
Oh, my God. I just have the picture. You're, now, let me let me stop you for just a second. Sure. Your mother at this point, is she just beaming with pride? Tell me, tell us about all that. When you go back and you're telling your mom, I'm not this this tough, little fake, little tough guy with a cigarette in my mouth and a gun in my pocket. Now I'm working in the theater. What was she thinking through all this? Just Was she just going nuts and excited? Or tell us about that. No, she, first of all, uh, we saw very little of each other. I just and I started living on the street. And the only thing that really impressed me, I wound up being one of the stars on Car 54, Where Are You? Yep. Now, my mom got to see me with, she was had moved out of Harlem, my father passed, and they were watching Car 54, on television, and she was screaming, that, that, that's, that's my boy. Well, I get a phone call from my aunt, uh, her sister, and I get, my mom gets on the phone, and she said, listen, can the, the, the people who do the, the show, can't they get, get you a shirt? Because I'm, I'm always in the locker room. Always. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'm so ashamed of seeing you in your underwear. I said, Mom, I'm wearing a shirt. But that, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the character. Uh, every time I'm in the locker room, I'm looking at a mirror and, and flexing. When Hank, when you saw yourself, uh, again, we're with Hank Garrett, uh, just a phenomenal actor and, and has done so many things. A brand new work called From Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavy here. Hank, when you uh, when you saw yourself on television or you'd look around the set and you see Ed Lewis there and you see Fred Gwynn and others impressed upon uh, you, do you think, wow, what what a journey I have made? Were you just astounded by the whole thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I could. I still can't watch myself well i won the, i won the new york film critics award for three days of the condor yeah and then i was flown to vegas where i received an award uh action in film it was i the award was best fight scene in film ever yeah it's one of the oh my god i can before we did this interview i can tell you i was talking to a couple of people in the studio and they go oh wait a minute is that the one where that postman comes down with that shotgun <laughs> yep uh oh, so so all right, let me ask you something here and again we, we could go a lot of different directions here but sure. uh, let me ask you this uh the mayor of harlem somehow knows who you are maybe the, the, the community might have been tight enough and he knew your mother from buying vegetables and all that but if that conversation doesn't happen, are you dead now? Yeah. Are you dead or close to? Dead or, or, or in prison. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. In fact, I go to prisons now, and I talk to kids that are incarcerated. Yeah. My manager, Deanna Marie Smith, set this up. I'm, t I'm there talking to kids, and they're looking at me like I'm nuts because they don't know who I am or anything about me. And she arranged to show them a clip of Car 54. And now I'm talking to them. They're sitting there with their arms all folded like, yeah. who are you? Yeah, you can't tell me anything. Yeah. Yes. And when I sh let them know that I was there, right where you're seated, I was there. 
and they look at me so differently. And then when I tell them, hey, God sent me an angel, and there's an angel out there waiting for you, but you've got to be ready to listen with your ears and your heart. Yeah. Wow. And what a difference it makes. Yeah. I got 14 letters from these kids mm-hmm. saying, Sammy Davis Jr. was your angel, and Mr. Garrett, you're our angel. Yeah. In fact, there's a sketch in the book about me when I was a kid. A friend of mine who was a cartoonist, a wonderful, wonderful guy, it did this and shows me. Uh, and now we're involved in a thing called Hanksters Kids. I'm trying to establish a place where kids can come to the get the heck off the street. Yeah. Where we will help you with whatever problems you have. And if you're hungry, and I know I was, I was always looking for food. We will feed you. Now, what, um, Hank, where is the, it? Where is this center? Where is this? We we don't know where we're going to set this up. Okay, this I see. One of the things that I promised to do: get the kids off the street. Yeah. Hey, hey real quickly, a break here. Uh, you're listening to Lewis at Large. Yours truly, Warner Lewis from the Flight Deck, and uh, got a good one here with again Hank Garrett. Uh, if I if you don't know his name for some reason, uh, I, let me refresh it for you. He played uh, he played Officer uh, Ed Nicholson on Car 54. Where are you? Years ago, uh, he was also in one of the most extraordinary movie fight scenes of all time in the movie Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford. Uh, you have seen him in a variety of different places. Columbo, on and on and on. He's worked alongside Sophia Loren, Kirk Douglas, Charlie Sheen, James Earl Jordan, and so many others. Again, only in the interest of time here, let's jump a little bit more modern day and talk about your your world and your life in Hollywood and those sort of hobnobbing, so to speak, with, with so many uh, well-known people. One of the opportunities you had, you actually escorted, I understand, Audrey Hepburn to a gala Hollywood event. <laughs> Tell us about that. That must have been an interesting meeting. Oh, God. Uh, my, my manager, when I was wrestling, uh, I'm in the pro wrestling hall of fame. Uh, and when I started wrestling, I had long blonde hair and, uh, uh, fairly good looking, but you know, really big. And they got, got a call. They needed an escort, but they didn't say who for it. And they, they mentioned the money. The manager said, here's the money that they're going to pay you and blah, blah, blah. He said, they're going to pick you up and take you to where you have to go. And sure enough, a limo showed up at where I was living. And they had asked me to wear a tuxedo, which I did. And I said, where are we going? He says, right. And the chauffeur said, we're going to Malibu. Okay. Um, We're driving to Malibu. And we get this, this estate. Chauffeur gets out of the car. He hasn't told me anything about who I'm escorting. And I'm looking, I'm sitting in the back of the car, and I go go to the door, and it's Audrey Hepburn. Oh, my. <laughs> and I'm going, uh, she says, hello, and I went, have, 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 have. I'm tripping <laughs> over my tongue. Yep. So they, there was a, a, a auction, and they were auctioning, they were bidding on a celebrity, to have dinner 
with the celebrity as a fundraiser. So she, I, I get out of the car, and, and she gets in. She sits down, and, I, and she says, Hi, how are you? And you what's your name? And I said, and then she said, oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. I, and finally she said, oh, you're Hank Garrett. You're the wrestler. I said, yes, ma'am. We arrive at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Get out. Now, I see all guys standing at the limos all outside. Right. So I get out. I escort her out of the, the vehicle, and I go to stand with these guys. She says, oh, Hanky, no, 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 no. You're my date. You don't, <laughs> You come in with me. I said, I'm your what? <laughs> you take her for a drink at the polo lounge. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we go in, and everyone, oh, Miss Hepburn is here. Oh, my God, Miss Hepburn is here. And they look at me and say, oh, no, you uh, you escorting Miss Hepburn? And she said, he's my date. Wow. I smiled. We walk in, and there are a few of the bodyguards hanging around up against the wall. She sits down and says, Hank, you sit next to me. Wow. <laughs> sitting there and we're having dinner and we're having a pleasant conversation and she said what do you plan on doing and I said well you know I'm going to finish up my stint as a wrestler and uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure where I want to go well we escort her. The evening is over. They bid 25000 to have lunch or dinner with Audrey Hepburn, and it was going to go to her favorite charity, which had to do with children. Yeah. We leave and escort her home, and the, the chauffeur is then taking me back to where he picked me up, and he said, Mr. Garrett, I've got to tell you something. Man, you haven't stopped smiling <laughs> since she got in the car. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'll have the smile on my face for a long time. Yep. Yep. Uh, wow. They could see you back in Harlem now. Wow. That's something. Honest to God, that's exactly what I said. My gosh. Wow. Oh, if they could see me now. Wow, what a what a wonderful what a wonderful trajectory uh, you ended up on. Uh, again, again, we could talk for hours here. The work is from Harlem hoodlum to Hollywood heavy by Hank Garrett, uh, one yes. of Hollywood's finest. And I know you have done a lot more than just that. Let's do this. Let's uh, as we start to kind of wind down here just a little bit. Uh, what was your what did it feel like to write this for you as you kind of fit, wrapped up this work of Hollywood hoodlum to Hollywood heavy? Um, what was that like? for you cathartic uh completely in fact my manager Deanna Marie Smith she pulled all this out of me all the stuff I had locked it away never never ever wanting to even think about the stuff I had gone through the beatings the fights 
Oh, boy. I got pulled in by the cops one day, and they were looking for a friend of mine. And they yanked me in, took me to the police station, and they worked me over. I mean, head to toe. And I did not know where this friend of mine, Lefty, was. And at one point, I said to myself, if I ever become a cop, which I did, I became a cop, very, very short time, I'm going to make a difference. And I realized I couldn't. I just could not make a difference, but I tried. And when I was a cop, a friend of mine got me an audition to meet Nat Hyken, who created the Bilko show and Car 54. Yeah. And I sat down and he said, you're Ed Nicholson. And I stupidly said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm Hank Garrett. Right. You're right. And he said, just the kind of dummy I'm looking for. <laughs> he said, Ed Nicholson is the character I want you to play on Call 54. Where are you? And that's how it started for me. Wow. And, uh, oh, my God. Do you... It, uh... it, well, I just again, I, that must have just been a phenomenal thing to sit down and see yourself on television, knowing at the time, and it still is a big deal, but what a gigantic thing it would be to be on television with the limited programming back then and to see yourself must have been a, like, wow, what I what in the world just happened? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't believe. I still, still. Uh, when I receive awards or, or even recognition on the street, I blush. Wow. And the animal will say, oh, my God, you still blush when people come up and say, oh, I remember you and that's, and may I have your autograph. Right, right. Now, I've been doing autograph shows around the world. And all the proceeds go to disabled American veterans and the Wounded Warriors. Okay, and wonderful. It, and it's the same thing with the book. Wonderful. Hey, real quickly, uh, just for my own edification, because I thought Three Days of the Condor was an outstanding movie, and and God, I hated your guts in that scene. I hated you. <laughs> so, uh, so, so quickly, for the, the audience has not seen it, Robert Redford is on the run from he's not sure who, CIA, who knows, somebody is after him, or parties are after him. He is living, uh, he has, uh, he sort of kidnapped Faye Dunaway, and she, he is living, though, they they friend one another. He is living in her basement apartment. She goes to work, or she is gone, and a mailman shows up with a delivery. What can you tell us about that scene? Maybe if, if someone has seen the movie or hasn't, what was unique about that scene, and did you know it would play out as brutally and as intensely as it did? No, no idea. Uh, and Bob Redford was an amazing guy, and Sidney Pollock. God love him. He's the one who took the shot with me. I came in to see him, and he said, okay, you look you look right. Uh, what do you know about the martial artists? Uh, martial arts? And I said, well, I am. I'm in the Karate Hall of Fame. He said, okay. He said, I want you to go and get fitted for the wardrobe. And I went, what? He said, yeah, you're, you're going to do a fight scene with Robert Redford, you're going to try to kill him because 
you are a CIA assassin disguised as a mailman. And was sitting and I'm meeting Robert Redford and they said, how are we going to work this out? What the tip off lets me know that you're not a real mailman. And Redford had just purchased a pair of Adidas, brown Adidas. He says, Hank, what size shoe do you wear? It was the same size that he wore. Yeah. He says, here's the tip off. You're going to wear these shoes when you dressed as the mailman trying to get to me. And then I know you're not a real mailman because I remember I looked down at your shoes. Right. And then the fight. Uh, he was incredible. Uh, at one point, uh, he saved my eyesight. And I, you know, he came out of, there was a tight close-up of my face getting a pot of coffee. Yes. He and when he got, came out of his dressing room, he looked and he saw smoke coming out of the pot. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What is, we're not throwing that hot stuff. And he said, it's not hot stuff. The uh, guy who handled special effects said, Bob, see, he put his finger in this. He says, it's all chemical. And he said, it's some kind of an acid diluted with mineral oil. And, and Bob said, acid? What happens if it gets into his eyes? Oh, man. So he went over to Sidney Pollack, the, the director, and said, Sidney, can I throw the coffee? And Sidney said, sure. They were good friends. They've done many films together. Yeah. And he said, uh, yeah. He called me aside and said, Hank, I'm going to hit you waist high with the coffee, but I want you to react like it's gotten into your face. Put those hands up. It looked like it hit you in the face. I said, oh, okay. We found out later, if that stuff had gotten in my eyes, it would have blinded me. Oh, man. Wow. How do I repay? (laughs) Yeah. How do I repay Robert Redford for for saving my uh, my eyesight? Yeah. Well, I I just go ahead and break his nose. (laughs) Exactly. That'll teach him to mind his own business. Yeah. (laughs) Wow! Wow! What what a scene! Again, if you if you all Lewis at large listeners, if you've not seen that movie, uh, go rent it, go get it, Netflix, wherever it is. Three days of the Condor. Well, we have to wrap this up. Unfortunately, again, the work, uh, a great one called from Hollywood. Harlem hoodlum, rather, to Hollywood heavy uh, by Hank Garrett. Hank, or real quickly here, how can people pick up a copy of it? And what about a website or where they can find out more about uh, what Hank Garrett's all about and what you're up to? Uh, hold on a sec. I'm just going to put my manager on for a moment. She handles all the business. Hello, Warner. Hi there. Yeah, we're just going to share with our audience here a little bit of how people can pick up a copy of the book. And also, is there a website that has information about Hank and what he's up to? Sure. The book can be purchased on Amazon under Harlem Hoodlum, from Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavyweight. And Hank's website is www.hankgarrett.biz. And you can also purchase it there, too. Okay. Hankgarrett.biz. Hankgarrett.biz. Okay. Hank, uh, again, very much appreciate you sharing your time with us today. And uh, what a what a wonderful, extraordinary, inspiring story. And, and best of luck to you. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again. Thank you. It would be my honor to be on your show again. 
Well, thanks for joining us for this installment of Lewis at Large. We add new conversations every week, and we like hearing from you. You can contact us via email at warnerflewis1 at gmail.com. That's warnerflewis1 at gmail.com. And you can find out more at lewisatlarge.com or on the Lewis at Large Facebook page. And remember to subscribe to Lewis at Large. Check out Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Now go have a great day.